Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Did You Read? with Tim Montgomery. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Did You Read? The Times podcast. I'm standing in again for Walter Cronkite of The Times, uh, Tim Montgomery, who's away at the second week of his vacation. I'm Phil Collins. I'll be your host for this session. And I'm joined for the next 20 minutes or so by Peter Brooks, by Anne Treneman and Matthew Paris. On many major topics, I form my opinions with my heart and not my head. I mean, on Europe, climate change, migrants, fracking, say, how the hell would I know what's what? But I think I do. And I suspect most people, including our legislators, don't have a clue either, um, or only a bit of one, which I think's twice as bad, twice as dangerous. My topic is the unions and labour, and what are they going to do about it? What should they do about it? And actually, is anything going to happen at all? I just wanted to express my detestation uh, once again of the Tory Euro rebels, these 95 allegedly who've written to uh, the Prime Minister. I wonder if there are 95, and if there are 95, and perhaps there are, why are we not allowed to know their names? And if they really want Britain to be able to vote against EU rules and regulations, why don't they just be honest and say they want to leave the European Union? There's an awful lot of dissimulation going on. So let's start with Peter and your thought, which is fascinating. I love that, that idea of, I don't know what to think about this, but I'm going to say so anyway. It's like the manifesto of a columnist. Um, <laughs> but w where do you get guidance from then? Where, where, do those, where does that conviction come from? Because you do end up every day in the Times, you, a cartoon comes full of conviction. Because I'm forced to um, have a conviction about something. Uh, and I think that's a good thing in a way. But on the other hand, I do doubt the sort of ammunition Uh, that uh, I, I bring to that because what I mean is, for example, yesterday um, in um, the Europe um, migration debate with Ken Clark being at odds with Downing Street, Ken Clark says he's perfectly happy with the idea of um, the numbers coming in. Downing Street said, uh, well, David Cameron said the idea of, you know, waves of immigration, waves of migration. We don't want that anymore. Ken Clark says, where are these waves of migration? I'm perfectly happy with the numbers we've had. So who do you believe? I mean, I don't know who I believe, but I have an instinctive feeling what I believe, and I'm with <laughs> Ken Clark. <laughs> someone, someone once described the job of a columnist as uh, weak opinions 
strongly held. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of truth in that. And I, I could even make a principal defence of it. We're, we're like um, courtroom advocates. We don't necessarily have to believe our client is guilty or innocent, but we just make the best case we can. There are some big issues swirling around. We realise there are various arguments to be advanced. We opt sometimes in a rather random way for one of them and we just go for it and we do we we express it as best we can and we know that there will be others who will express contrary arguments and from this thesis and antithesis some kind of synthesis may finally I'm arise. always amazed by people who have great conviction uh, on things on which I like you Peter just couldn't begin to tell you the truth I mean, climate change yeah. is a very yeah. good example yeah, I mean I don't know the, the science. I know the overwhelming consensus of scientists, but I'm intrigued by someone like Nigel Lawson who has this mm. fantastic mm. certainty that all these scientists <laughs> are wrong. And it's admirable in a way. Yet where does he get this conviction from? Yes, exactly. And I, I find it deeply worrying, to be honest, uh, that somebody can sway opinion. You see, in Parliament, I'm sure people in a debate... But you sway opinions. Yeah, All the time. Yeah, I mean, your I'm, view, for I'm, instance, on the war was ah, something that our readers were really kind of very interested no, in. No, I, th I think there are certain issues that, that uh, don't present that difficulty, for me anyway. And going to war is one of them. Because nine times out of ten, it's a no-no for me. Um, mm. And... Uh, you know, the last three or four wars have been like that. But so you, I don't find that difficult. I mean, for instance, you feel the same way about Syria? Because um, it's all... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is now the most... I did feel the same. Horrendous. I was, I was against intervening in Syria uh, for the very reasons that people advanced about, you know, looking back at Iraq and all the rest of it. Um, it could have turned out to be, you know, even worse than it is and will be, I'm sure. Um, and so... I find that much easier a decision to make than, um, say, the climate change argument. That, uh, or migration, from, Peter, because you, yeah. you concluded very emphatically by saying you're with Ken Clark, yeah, yeah, even though yeah. you pre prefaced it by saying Is you didn't know wise? who was right uh, on, uh, the, on the facts. Should who, anyone who, be who, with who, Ken Clark? I am often with Ken Clark. Ken Clark on, only on, likes to be by himself, though. He, um, doesn't, he doesn't like anyone with him. Well, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to impinge upon you. Tell me, Peter... Could you, having said what you have just said about Ken Clark, now honestly draw uh, a cartoon uh, mocking him and, 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 and pulling to pieces the, the absurdities that are certainly part of Ken Clark's makeup? Would Absolutely. Yes, you of could. course I could. Mm. Yeah, because I'm saying on one uh, part of the Ken Clark, the, I mean, he's a Tory and I don't vote Tory, but that said, uh, his you know, pro-European stance uh, accords well with the way I feel. And you know, on migrants, uh, particularly well with the way I feel. Uh, but there are, I'm sure, other things that um, I can't, off the top of my head, think of them, but that I profoundly disagree with uh, as, as far as, you know, he's concerned. Well, you, you've brought a perfect cue for us to, to move on to Europe. So let, let's circle <laughs> around to Matthew's thesis. And uh, Europe, that running sore in the Conservative Party is, is bothering them again, isn't it? Yes, and I think it's a smaller sore than it needs to be. Uh, I don't, don't think the moderates in the party, who are the overwhelming majority of it, are speaking up nearly as much as they should. I think that the ultras, the antis, are smaller in, in number, the hardcore, than anybody supposes, or that the, the media often seems to suggest. And I think it's time to crack down really hard on 10 or 11 ringleaders in the anti-European uh, group. And then I think a lot of their 
sunny weather support would would fade away of this alleged 95 and I, I I mustn't question the honesty of those leading the campaign and those who've organized the letter but if there are 95 and if this is a, a point of view which you're entitled to hold as a backbencher which you are about Europe why are they not prepared for their names to 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 come forward a couple have said that uh, contrary to uh, rumor they're then they're not among the 95 so uh, it, of those 95 I think if the whips really came down hard on those people who really just want to get out of Europe now and are using this whole row as as, as kind of buttering ram for their views I think a lot of those would then melt away when you say crack down hard what kind of thing do you think they should do I think there should be much more peer group pressure from the majority and on the conservative backbenches towards the minority who that if you talk to moderate Tory MPs that that, that, that they're desperately annoyed with what this minority are doing but none of them ever seem to speak to the press and I think I think the whips should have a word too and I mean, you're first of all day. I mean Sir George Young it's not the, the whip crack away of the year is he is not he doesn't crack his whip so much but I mean I think you're vastly underestimating the, the sort of fervor for starters of the hardcore 25 I would say on the backbenches and their desire to change the world which is their overwhelming reason for being in politics uh, which is becoming for many of them their overwhelming reason and it's a way to kind of hit back at the Lib Dems it's a way to define themselves it's much more than just uh, Europe it's practically a lifestyle and um but do they not care about what it does to their party no, in the country? No, they don't any longer. They don't they care, and they, they have these, as we were talking about earlier, they have this view that a, they completely believe. And what I think, I mean, a year ago, David Cameron was just about to make his speech in which he was going to promise, which he did eventually manage to make a speech promising a referendum eventually. Um, you know, and they've, the government have backed this bill. So that's given them little bits. It's like feeding someone in the zoo, isn't it? But there's it? nothing you could give them that would satisfy them, is no. there? No. There's nothing. It's well, the impossible. referendum... No, so you have to kill them. The there's referendum no would way. satisfy them. And, and obviously Cameron is trying to control the way this works, isn't he? By his alleged renegotiation, yeah. which is the blurriest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, it's great fun But for surely me. there's nothing that could conceivably be brought back from Europe that would satisfy no. them that it was an okay institution they've to be part of. They've already decided. They, they've decided already, haven't they? Well, I think they want... They, I, don't, I think they want the trade. They don't want anything to be affected in terms of trade. They still want but that's the money. Incons- that's an unrealistic demand that's never going to happen. But they completely believe it. And, and do, do the oh do they, do yes they, they do. Oh dear, it's that bad, is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, they, no, there's no point anyone ever said we we want to leave Europe and we want the, our economy, our economic trade with Europe to to stop or to be affected. So they want the I mean, trade, but they don't want the body of rules that and they completely the trade. believe it's possible. They don't particularly want the trade either, because uh, <laughs> they don't like Europeans and they'd rather we were trading with the Australians and the Americans or the Chinese. Yes. Mm. Let's not forget the Chinese. Yeah. George is living there. Can I just ask, do do they at all give any credence at all to the William Hague idea of red cars as opposed to, you know... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Any other way of, uh, of doing this? And in, in other words, that a group of European parliaments are able to veto rather than just a unilateral veto? Well, my guess is, is that uh, if it appeared that this idea of William Hague's had any traction and might gain approval in Europe, the anti-Europeans would decide that it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So where does this go now, Matthew? Because this sounds like it's a complete face-off. There's, there's one group that is the government trying to find a way through whilst retaining some sort of decent relationship with the European Union. And then there's a group, smaller than quite small, you think, who have simply not prepared to compromise at all. It goes nowhere because they're cowards. They're, they have the mentality of, 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 of a scavenging pack of dogs and they don't actually want a confrontation. That's why I think they should be presented with a confrontation. So they, they will just, they'll wound, they'll snap at David Cameron's legs, they'll cause an awful lot of trouble, they'll start the public thinking the Tories are disunited, and then they'll go quiet again for well, a little while. Thank the, thank we've got the Liberal Democrats in government to save us from these awful people. Because just imagine if we had a very small conservative major- yes. overall majority, these people would be very important. Nightmare. Well, these people are very important, actually, because of UKIP, because of the European election, and because of the coming election. So they are very important. They're what, but they've also I don't know got what kind of, the wrong like Alice in Wonderland UKIP, level we could have it, but they must be twice as important as, <laughs> as other people. But their least. answer to the threat of UKIP is to is to veer off in entirely the wrong direction, isn't yes, it? Yes, they want to out UKIP UKIP, which will yeah. never work. Well, they're mm. virtually joining UKIP in some areas, yeah. Mm. Is that a solution for some of them? For some of them it is. I wish yeah. they would. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> this, of course, is the, the problem that Blair never had when he came into government because he had such a massive majority that he had his yeah. share of lunatics who were every bit as bonkers and irrepressible as these people, but they didn't matter. But you see, Phil, they won't go. In the end, um, I, I wish some of them would just join UKIP. They won't because yeah. they wouldn't feel secure that they would get their seats back. Mm-hmm. And you notice yeah. the bigger a, a Tory MP's majority is, the more likely he or she is to be uh, fervently anti-European. What's the feeling in their constituencies for, for these MPs? Is there not a sense of you're causing real trouble to, to the government and impairing, or is there a real strength of feeling behind them? back at home in their grassroots. They'll get support from their constituency associations who are increasingly narrowly based group of increasingly elderly and uh, and increasingly fanatical party supporters. But that doesn't reflect the constituents as a whole who probably think their MPs gone bonkers. OK, talking of increasingly elderly and increasingly <laughs> fanatical groups of people, let's move on to the trade unions. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a perfect segue. <laughs> um, um. Well... You know, the unions are supposed to be the big issue. And and I, um, perhaps just because I like action, 
I sort of want it to be the big issue. I want Ed Miliband to take on the unions or something to do with them. Um, you know, the way that it is funded is c- clearly uh, odd, to say the least, and to take on that and to mean it. And yet, it's all ever since his little cri de coeur of last <laughs> June, which was terribly thrilling for, for, for me <laughs> or for onlookers and for some people, but horrifying to the unions, it's just gotten weaker and weaker. And I think now, you know, it's, it's come down to something like a 45-minute chat in, at spring conference. I mean, it's really um, bizarre. Well, never trust a man who'd kill his brother, I say. You know? Ooh. I mean, uh, I hope you're right. Well, uh, but because if he could kill his brother, he could kill the trade. Oh, union. I see what you mean. Uh, he, might, he might actually have courage. Well, mm. oh no, it's much easier to kill your brother. Yeah, in that particular instance, <laughs> with the unions behind you, yes. So, <laughs> no, that becomes too difficult. I'm surprised that you're surprised, Dan. I mean, I, I've never been surprised. I've always thought that he would he would run up to the thing, tap it on the shoulder, and then gently slope off. Yes, well, it's the, interesting. That's the template. Yeah, it's sad. That, well, as you say, it, you probably know where you know so much more about the Labour Party than I do. Alas, that that's is, true. See, yes. this is one of the things that we talked about earlier. If you know too much, then you understand why things don't happen. Whereas those of us who know nothing, except maybe that things look wrong and that actually, I mean, Ed Miliband, you know, always claimed he wanted a fresh start, and now he's once a no. You know, it, it's all sort of dissipating. Uh, don't do it. He has all these people around him who say, don't do it. Don't don't mess with it. Just I think they're frightened they can't do it. I think they're worried yeah. that they won't win and therefore to suggest a great victory and then to lose would be awful. Therefore, let's go for a quiet, boring, nil-nil draw. <laughs> yes, but then then he should never have started this, yeah. this hair running in the first place. And I, I think there is a part of Ed Miliband that, that did think he might push this through. And I haven't completely despaired of that part of Ed Miliband yet. I, I still think it's possible that he'll realise that the bad publicity arising from backing down is going to be so awful for him that he must push on with it. There are, there are three very good reasons for it. Firstly, it isn't good that the Labour Party is so influenced by the trade unions. Uh, secondly, it isn't good that Ed Miliband appears to be weak and indecisive, so he has to win this. Thirdly, until Labour tackles, reforms the way it's funded, we can't look at the corrupt ways in which the Conservative Party are also funded from from big business. None of this party funding business is satisfactory. It all stinks, but it's got to start with dealing with the union question. I can see how you might be right, Matthew, because I've always thought Ed Miliband does the thing which everybody else knows is inevitable at the 11th hour, Mm. just before it's too late. He he will wait until then, and that's why he is indecisive with these rushes of emphatic decision-making. So if it becomes a big story that he's backing away, I can see why that might gird him again to go again. But he still worries that the union, he's going to have to have a serious fight with them because the unions are not prepared to compromise. As far as I can figure out, the unions aren't prepared to compromise at all. They are as you are skeptics. Literally, everything must remain the same. Maybe they might do some twiddly bits to make it look slightly different. But it is very, very uncompromising. And I think 
kind of bizarre that in this day and age they refuse to kind of go with the times. Why they want to, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't be so dramatic to say they want to kill the Labour Party, you know, which they created, but they are, there's no question they are strangling it slightly. Ed Miliband is very much hampered by what he thinks of as the Blair way of running the Labour Party, which he thinks is a series of confrontations with your own people done for the sheer relish of it and the sheer enjoyment of it. And he was explicit when he took over that he wasn't going to do it like that. And that famous remark by Kinnock, we've got our party back. Mm. So he's very reluctant to take on a battle that some of us think is exactly the right battle for him to have in front of the nation. He doesn't see it like that at all. Mm. He thinks that that, he doesn't see the political gain in it. And I wonder whether if the polls narrow, and this morning as we speak, there's an ICM poll that shows Labour's share down to 35%, Mm. which is not very good at this point in the cycle, whether some sort of big thing that pushes him through again will be necessary and it might take him back into the it territory Matthew necessary. was talking about well I think a few a few cartoons from uh, Peter Brooks yes. might might do the yes. trick he's <laughs> yeah. got, got to feel the, the combined nation needs you this is actually, this is actually I do plenty I do plenty <laughs> of it but, but my feeling also is that uh, surely if he's um, sucking up if you like to the middle classes which he's been doing in the last uh, day or two and will be doing at the end of the is week is that a technical term uh, right? yeah. <laughs> to the middle he classes will, he, he will be out, in reaching out, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, it's much more uh, politically astute. Yeah, as he's now reaching out to the middle classes, it could well be that um, doing the dirty, which is not politically astute, on the unions might be a good thing to do as well because it encompasses that particular Frenchman. It's going to be fascinating to watch him because this week's series of speeches the Labour Party are trying to address one of their big gaps, which is they're still 18 points behind the Conservatives on their handling of the economy, which is remarkable given that it's not gone very well. And so we've got a series of speeches with Ed himself on Friday on responsible capitalism. Now, it seems to me he's going back to a theme that he's set out a couple of times before in his conference speeches. And I'm not sure that that takes him any further on in repairing economic credibility. We've got a really good column by Rachel Sylvester on on that this the, the Achilles heel as, as as she calls it he's really got to deal with the question of his party's economic capability and credibility and to do that he really has to talk about the past and he doesn't seem to want to they think they've dealt with the past I mean that's what they would say certainly Ed Balls does I want to have interviewed him and Ed Miliband too they think that they've apologised but no one there were sort of those apologies that you know you hear on the train you know you're not quite sure they it's meant exactly it exactly fulsome is <laughs> and it and they're not you know I think that for them the real problem is they don't have another the, we don't know what their plan is I mean it's if it's out there then and I sit in parliament all the time I'm not really clear what it is so they're fa- either failing to get it across and, and it's like a real um, yet another mountain to climb for them. They seem to have a lot of mountains. They do. It's suddenly, I think it might start to look difficult for them because they, they think they've apologised for what they did wrong, but they don't agree with people don't trust them what though. they did wrong. They, I mean, they the haven't apologised for spending too much because they don't believe that to be the case. Therefore, an apology would be insincere. So they shouldn't apologise for something they don't think. The pure <laughs> cynical favour of the electorate. You wouldn't find Ed Miliband doing anything <laughs> like that. At which point, I think I'll say thank you to Matthew Paris, Anne Treneman, Peter Brooks, and we'll leave it there. Um, Tim Montgomery will be back in his place next week for the next edition of Did You Read? You can read more 
those views and others at thetimes.co.uk. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. This is me, Phil Collins, saying goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.